TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have to do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. And welcome to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I'm here with Derek Wetmore and Phil Mackey. Uh, Phil's still working his way up toward being uh, second billing um, behind the, the, the host. Um, we got a, we got a good little show put together today, I think. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, the I think, the obvious topic. Craig Kimbrell is, uh, you know, in, in the bullpen, and, and we're... Where do we go from there? Why are guys still out on the free agent market, I guess? And uh, a couple other fun, I think, things that we're going to get to uh, as this show goes on. So, uh, Derek, Phil... Hello, Glenn. Uh, good Hi, morning. Glenn. Hello, afternoon. Glenn. Yes, um, I'm still I'm still working out whatever you need me to work on. To <laughs> jump over Derek in the opening credits. It's a weird credits. management tactic to not tell you what you need to work on, but I like it. Keep listen, you guessing. Listen, uh, we're going to send you down to the minor leagues and uh, just get better. Just, just work on some stuff. <laughs> great. Well, in fact, before we get into Craig Campbell, uh, it, like it's, what? it's not unlike like when they sent down Vlad, when the Blue Jays sent down Vlad Junior. Just like, okay, uh, you know, work on some things. <laughs> Look, uh, you just you got to you got to do some stuff. So um, <laughs> Chris Bryant. Know, Hey, Chris. Actually, uh, well, you know, so it was one week ago. So you got five days, twelve days into the season, they can call him up, whatever. And and so you got a couple more days, and then maybe you know, I'm just try, I'm trying to preserve your super two status wow. on this show. So wow. So <laughs> before we dive into Craig Campbell things, what's the most uncomfortable conversation you ever had, like with a coach or a front? Like, did you besides the the grievance stuff from which we should do an episode <laughs> on the grievance stuff at some point. We should. Yes, <laughs> let's let's dig that. But up. like, like, what's the most like you're you're sitting there and a manager or a coach is like, you're terrible right now, or we're sending you down. Like, I mean, that happened a lot. That that it, the worst was always in spring training. Um, honestly, I think maybe it, it, my first camp. Uh, so it was the I think that was the wor- first world, world baseball classic. It was 2006 big league camp, and um, so guys were leaving, and I I don't think teams and and the Twins weren't prepared for the amount of guys that were going to leave, and so we we ended up short, and so they brought over like Matt Garza, they brought over like five or six guys like as like extra add-ons. This was like not an official invite to camp, but you ended up being in camp, and. When they sent me down, Gardy said, "Thanks for coming in on short notice." Oh, <laughs> oh no! You know, so good luck this year, and hopefully we'll see you at some point. And I was like, I mean, I didn't say anything because I'm, you know, whatever, twenty three years old, and like first big league camp, and I was like, man, that kind of hurts. Like I was an actual invite. Yeah. Like I was better than those guys. Like I got my invite in January. They got their invite at the end of February. Um, oh man! So that one was like, geez, I, I really, I really left a mark here. Did you ever bring that one up to him? No, oh. I didn't. No, I should. I should. the next time I see him, I'll be at Target Field for the next Tiger Series. I might have to. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll get him on for this show and and, and rehash that one a little awesome. bit. How, some of the some of the times that we butted heads, I think we could probably have a pretty good time with it now. Was Gardy's was Gardy's style behind the scenes with you guys? Was it more blunt or passive aggressive or? Like when he had something to say to you or a criticism, how would he deliver it? You just never knew. You never knew, like it, because it, it it was like what mood he was in that day. Like would depend on how he would address anybody, and and uh, it was never like he was the guy that like, um, you never really knew what you were gonna get. But then when you look back on it, you're like, like he was really fun. Like all in all, he was really like he, he was just loose and and liked to make jokes and. 
uh, you know, had had fun with guys and in the moment, I think, and maybe part of that is the pressure of just trying to establish yourself in the big leagues that, that you, that you maybe see things through a different lens. And then looking back on it, it was like, yeah, sure. you know what? I really enjoyed my time and I've enjoyed, you know, I hadn't seen him for a couple of years and then we played toward the, right at the end of my career. We played um, the diamondbacks when he was a bench coach. And I talked to him for like a half hour on the field one day and great conversation. Saw him at Mauer's um, uh, retirement thing. And, um, you know, yeah, I think when you have some time to, to look back at, you, you, you can realize you had some good times, you have a good relationship. And I mean, you spend that much time with a guy, you, you got stories and all those things. So, um, you know, but yeah, you never really knew what you got, but he definitely, I think I do need to bring that up to him the next time I see him is, you know, Hey, do you, Guardy, do you remember 13 years ago when you sent yeah. me out? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that I, I Googled, I saw people tweeting about Ron Gardenhire. I don't know if he got ejected or something. So I, I did a Google news search this morning just to see if, like, did, did Gardy do something? And I didn't find what happened last night, but there's the first story that pops up from some Detroit Tigers, uh, I don't know if it's a beat writer or a blog, is Ron Gardenhire's approval rate among fans is astronomically high still, even though the Tigers have been oh, okay terrible the last couple of years. Yeah. But that's him. Like, he's, he's likable. Fans love him. And I, I don't know how much they're going to win the next couple of years. They're probably he's going to make some money and have some fun. So. They're probably not blind to the fact in Detroit that you can't throw him that roster and expect him to go to the ALCS. So Tigers fans are probably wise to what's going on with their club. Yeah, you would hope so. Um, <laughs> I, he's a good fit there, too. I think you know, he, knows, he knows what he's in for. Um, I'm just I'm glad he got another job because when I you know when I taught when he got let go by us it was kind of like man you know everybody's going younger and you know he was a little bit more old school but I think he got with the Diamondbacks and when I talked to him there he was talking about the the analytics and the different stuff and the things that they look at and mm-hmm. and kind of the way they see the game and uh, you know you, you can only do so much of that when you don't have maybe the players to stick out on the field but um you know he's evolved and uh you know, it, he was definitely entertaining, definitely fun to watch. I, I mean, he, he was always a fan favorite. Like, I, how many caravans I went on with him, and and he was, I mean, it, it, he was right up there with like Joe Maurer when when the you know you'd get introduced and the fan reaction. Yeah, you know, he was just blue collar. You know, uh, Gardy. So would Gardy come on the the uh, Glenn Perkins show here? Can we get when he's when he's in town? That's what I'm saying. Town? I think I think I'm gonna fun. I think I'm gonna have to go over there and, and and have a little chat with him. Well, and, nice. and all those guys now. I mean, they got the whole crew is back over. Who's there, all, so, so Steve Little's over there. Steve Little's a bench coach. I think Andy's Andy? a pitching coach. He's yeah. a pitching coach. And then oh, uh, Joe V is is uh, he's a coach on there, hitting coach or third base coach or something. I know he's there too. So. Um, I'm sure he reached out to Scotty Elger. I'm sure he reached out to Jerry White and dust off that fungo bat, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> uh, I think. I think maybe he's just enjoying his time in California doing curls. So, so uh, Craig Kimbrell, I want to lay out a case, and Derek and I have had these discussions on on shows this week. I want to lay out a case, and you you tell me if you agree or disagree, and tell me your thoughts. And, and, and there's a million different ways to go with this because the fact that he's still on the board is amazing, but. I think the Twins, like, it, it's not my money to spend, so it's easy to spend other people's money. I would spend 15 to $20 million a year on a two- or a three-year deal to bring Craig Kimbrell in, knowing the risks. So I would, I would do that even knowing that he's 31 years old and he's yet to have significant shoulder or elbow issues, and I think there's probably a... I, I would be a little concerned that a guy who throws that hard and, and... He had Tommy John. But that was a long time ago, yeah. right? It was like which, 10 years ago. <laughs> which might be part of it, is that they, I think they, they typically say it's like a 10-year shelf life. 
And so with an elbow, so ticking time bomb. is the is he a ticking time bomb? You could point to a lot of closers in the last ten or fifteen years, the elite guys that were great between thirty one and thirty three. There's other guys who who blow out. I would be the two things I would be most worried about are is this a lost season because he didn't go through spring training? He hasn't faced hitting in like six to seven months. The last time he did face hitting in the playoffs, he was terrible. Um, we saw what happened with Greg Holland and Lance Lynn and some of these guys that sit out until late in the process. And it's not like you can just step out there and and get Mike Trout out. Well, you're never going to get Mike Trout out, but like you're, it's it's hard to to miss spring training and then come in. Um, and the other thing I I wonder if if this is a hang up too. Front offices that are more progressive and forward thinking are looking at ace relievers as guys they can use in the seventh or the eighth, right? And and we might use you in a tie game here or a game in which we're losing by a run. And Craig Kimbrell has a fighting chance to be top three all time in saves if he just pitches the ninth inning the rest of his career. And I wonder if Craig Kimbrell is saying, I'm a ninth inning guy, and front offices like the Twins are saying, no, you're an ace reliever. Like we'll totally pay you as an ace reliever, fifteen million dollars a year. But we need you to pitch sometimes with two outs in the seventh, and just be ready to do that. And I wonder if so. I, if if you can get past those things, I'm giving him the money because I think the Twins can win the division this season and and maybe even make some noise in October with that lineup. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on that. I mean, there's you know, first of all, is is would he, is he going to sign a two or three year deal for fifteen or twenty a year? I think that's the first thing. I mean, the reason he's in the position he's in is because. Reportedly, he wanted like a five or six year, five year hundred, something like that. So, you know, you come down from that, but how far down do you come down? How far, you know? And then the second thing, does he want to come play here? Um, you know, th- those are things that not knowing what he wants to do, it's it's so hard to speculate because you're like, yeah, it, it seems obvious. Let's why why wouldn't you sign one year and twenty million dollars and come pitch for the Twins? And um, and then, and then so so there's that whole side of it. And that's that's the unknown. I, you know, I don't think he's talked too much. I don't think there's been too much out uh, about what he actually does want, uh, any confirmation or anything like that. So there's that. And and then, um, you know, as far as is, if they sign him, I, I and I understand the way the game is going, but I would be fine just put, saying that. Hey, you're going to pitch the ninth. That's fine. They've got, <clears throat> excuse, they got Taylor Rogers. They have. Um, Trevor Hildenberger, Blake Parker, Stonewell. They have guys like, I mean, maybe they're not, I was not Craig Kimbrell, but they have relievers. And that's what I brought up on the show the other day um, was it raises the floor of the bullpen. It raises the ceiling tremendously. It also raises the floor because you're going to get rid of the, your last guy. And then all those other guys get pushed down a little bit. And, and they've done a good job. Those guys, you know, I mean, Hildy hasn't been scored upon this year, I believe. Yeah, not his runners anyway. Um, and and Taylor Rogers is I mean he was great again last night. Um, so you know those guys get pushed back a little bit. I, I you know I'm okay with that. I don't think you need to sign that guy and and, and do the Andrew Miller thing to him. Um, it makes it makes your whole team deeper. Uh, the other thing and I was thinking about this on on the way up today. Um, and it's not even close to the same scenario of, of signing a Craig Kimbrell. But a couple years ago when we signed Kendrys Morales, we were in Toronto. And he was a free agent. He had gotten caught up in that qualifying offer thing and, yeah. and hadn't signed. And that, that in, in no way am I comparing them to his players, but the, the lift that that gave our team was like, when that, that news started getting through the clubhouse, it was like, holy cow, we signed Kendrys Morales? Yeah. You know, we were kind of floating around yeah, 500-ish, like in contention a little bit. And and it, it just and I don't think we didn't do anything with it because we weren't as good as even as this team is this year. 
but that that lift of like man like we got another guy now and and that that I remember how good that made us feel um and just uplifting it was so I think I mean that that's an, again another thing but it all goes back to what does Craig Kimbrough want what does Craig Kimbrough want to do how long is he willing to sit out you know and and the other thing that we talked about on I think it was Tuesday yeah. um was you know sometimes you have to look out for yourself Yep, and I know that he wants to set the market. He wants to get. He's 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 had a better career. He's a, you know has been a better pitcher than than Chapman, than Kenley Jansen, than the guys that that kind of set the market a couple years ago at at five and eighty, eighty five ish. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to break that, and that's understandable. Um, maybe those guys are a little bit younger, but he's a little bit more qualified, and so he wanted to do that. But at some point, like you're not making any money. So yeah, and and I know, and a lot of. Uh, X players know that as soon as you're done, as soon as you're not a player, then then you're out. Yeah, and so it, it, you know it's not if he wants to be the guy, if he wants to be the face of this of this holdout and do the Le'Veon Bell thing, you know you're all you're just gonna miss out on a year. You're 31, so next year you're gonna be 32. At least Le'Veon Bell got he got paid to sit out, right? Or did he, did no, he, forfeit he, didn't all get, the, he forfeited everything. He didn't get paid. So right. he, he forfeited. You just miss a year, and and so now Craig's gonna. I mean, you know, he's already missed almost a, well a month ish. You know, twenty days, whatever it's been. So you're getting up there to where like you know, and and you talk about a Hall of Fame. You talk about the saves. I mean, he's missing out on all those things. Um, at some point, you just got to say, hey, you know what? Enough with the with what the union wants. Enough with what the other play. Like I, I want to play. I know him. He's he's ultra competitive. Yeah. He's, he works his butt off, and I'm sure he's he's sitting there right now thinking this is at some point. I, knowing the little bit that I know him, he, he's just going to snap and say like even to his agent like whatever, dude. Like I'm, I need to go play baseball. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to sit at home anymore. I wonder how many games he's watching a week. Right yeah, now. you know, and I mean, and I'm sure he part of him probably enjoys it. He's got a new kid, and and you know he they they did just buy a nice farm in in down in the southeast, and. uh um, so I'm sure he's enjoying that sure. and being home, but at the same time, that just that competitiveness is, competitiveness is there, and I, you know, I think at some point it's probably going to end up being I could see him just doing a one year deal with somebody, but you know, maybe he waits a little bit longer as the picture gets clear. I don't know, uh, but it, it it just boils down to long story short, it boils down to what he wants to do. It's not. I'm sure that that Derek and Thad have, have thrown it around, maybe even talked to his agent, but it it comes down to what the player wants, and mm-hmm. and that's what we don't know. It's tough because he's caught at this weird intersection, Craig is, of the you mentioned the Jansen contracts, the Aroldis Chapman. They're five and eighty, eighty-five. Wade Davis, who was older, but had that stretch of recent dominance, was what, three and fifty-two, I think, last offseason. And or two off seasons ago. And you're looking at it and you're thinking, okay. Elite closers get paid this when they come up on free agency. And Craig Kimbrell, as you mentioned, Glenn, was, you could argue, better than what Chapman was, what Jansen was, certainly now. So is it wrong for him to want to go and say, like, okay, if they're 5 and 85, I'm 6 and 100 or, or whatever, 5 and 100. I'm, I'm better than these guys. They got paid this. Here we go. But the intersection is, yeah, as the market goes up, the market for this top end player sort of crashed and just cratered out completely. I mean, Dallas Keuchel, he's a free agent ten years ago. You know that dude's getting paid. He's getting at least Irv Santana money, Ricky Nolasco money, and now it's like, if that's not what you're willing to pay as a team, whether you 
worried about his future projection, whatever, or you're just trying to be frugal and stingy, which a lot of front offices are trying to do. Gosh, I really, really feel for the guys who came up last year, came up this year on free agency after years of being conditioned to, hey, man, just grind and you'll be a free agent. You get your six plus and you're good to go. You'll get paid to now. Yeah, you get your six plus and then hope to find a home. Yeah, the the other weird factor off everything you just said, too, is this doesn't happen in other sports because there's more structure to contracts. I mean, in the NBA, there's literally a max contract structure. You're a max player or you're not. And if you're not, well, then it's easier to figure out. And then and then you cap the years at four or five, depending on the type of contract. And in baseball, just even there's never going to be a salary cap in baseball. But even if there was just structure, right, if you could only sign players to a max of five years or whatnot, the negotiation never ends because there's no salary cap. If you're Craig Kimball, you can literally sit out there and say, I mean, that's pretty much what happened with Bryce Harper. The negotiation doesn't have an end point. And um, I just find it fascinating if, like, Clay Thompson were st- was a free agent. It was just sitting out there in December. Like, the, the Christmas Day games are coming up, and Clay Thompson's available if anybody wants him. I mean, that's Craig Kimball is one of the greatest closers ever, really. If you look at the stats and you look at his numbers, he's not. Mariana Rivera is at the top of that list, but. Craig Kimbrell is in the top 10 and maybe even in the, in the top five of most dominant closers ever. And I feel like, Glenn, it's for whatever reason, teams are only looking at the downside or the nitpicky or the negative. They're not looking at, okay, I know that there's a chance that this contract could blow up in our faces or that he needs surgery, but he's Craig Kimbrell. He's amazing. And he could help our team either get from non-playoffs to playoffs or playoffs to World Series. Yeah, and the, the shorter the shorter you can get that contract, which I would assume the longer he waits, the shorter the deal is going to get. Uh um is is the key, I guess. I mean, there's 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 that old saying there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal that you make an investment in a guy for one year, however much it might be. Um you know, that it, that it may work out, it may not, but you're not tied to him for for an extended period of time. So there's that. I think that the shorter his terms get the more chance there is for teams like the twins to potentially sign him that maybe they could go to ownership and say hey this is where we're at this is what we think he can do teams just teams now uh value guys differently they're going to look at a guy that's got a three next to his you know start if you're 30 if you're 31 yeah you know there's a limit to how long you're going to be effective and then you look at a delivery you look at stuff you look at you know Maybe a little bit of recent trending, and and you think, yeah, this needs to be, uh, you know, a two or maybe a three year deal, or maybe it's a maybe it's a two year deal with a vesting option with appearances, something along those lines. That, but again, then he wants to get paid, like Derek said, he wants to get paid like the best one of the best closers of all time, probably the best closer uh, d- during his career. It's it's been him and then everybody else. Yeah. So he wants to get paid like that, and that is fair, and I do feel for him. I mean, you have to be sympathetic of that. That. This all this guy wants to do is play. All he wants to do is be paid fairly. And when there is no endpoint to what you can get paid, when teams can do what they want, when there's a little bit of a fishy situation going on with with all the teams and all the contracts and the way free agency plays out, you know this is this is what happens. And it's and again, I go back to Tuesday. I said it. It's not a good look for baseball. It's just not. Right. I mean, you, you know, you you want you want him on the field. You want him coming into games and and. Fans want to see him, and fans want, and players want the best chance possible. There's just it, it's seemingly more incentive now than there ever has been to. If you're not going to win, don't try. And, yeah. and there's a lot of that going around the league, and and they just say, hey, 
I, why sign this guy when he's not going to He's going to give us three wins this year, but we're we're, we're, yeah. we're 27 wins away from being competitive. The Royals don't need Dallas Keuchel's three wins this year. Right. right? And, and then they're it, saying, no, we're good. You know, and so it just, the the game is evolving in, in that sense and the way that they evaluate and, and value players. And, and some of these guys are, are facing the brunt of it. Mm. Hey, do you think, real quick, do you think Mariana Rivera's all-time saves Number which is six hundred fifty two, and if if you were to draw that out, that's that's forty plus saves a year for fifteen years. Is that going to be one of those untouchable? I mean, Cy Young's wins record, right? No one's no one's winning five hundred games. No one's winning maybe three hundred games ever again. Is that untouchable? Just the way that front offices think and the way that relievers are used. It seems like it, and and with the velocity going the way it is, guys are even more volatile than they have been. I mean, relievers as as a as a group tend to have small, shorter stretches, one, two, three years where, I mean, you, you could go back and think about all the guys that like, man, he was the best reliever in baseball. And then you're like, well, where did he go? Yeah. And and that happens so fast. Um, that's a remarkable thing about Kimbrell is that he's he's done it and he's been healthy for for his whole career and, and, and successful. But it, it seems like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, at, at some point there's, you're, you're, you're going to probably see Three guys have 15 saves in a season rather than one guy have 45. And, uh, you know, that's fine. It, it, it's, you know, Mariano's Mariano. And I think he's, if, if somebody was going to hold a, a saves record, I guess, you know, he's, he's kind of the guy. He is the guy. So I, I would doubt it. I mean, that's even just fi- playing for 15 years is amazing yeah. and, and oh, being that sure. successful. Yeah, and, yeah, then, sure. and then it, co- you know, it coincides with, with him playing on on one of the best dynasties in sports history too is that don't forget that like it's not only what you do it's what you you know you're relying on on the entire team to get you the ball at the end of the game and and so you know he he was on teams that were able to get him the ball and do that for his entire career. I mean, they made the playoffs just about, I think maybe missed one or two years in his whole career. So, yeah. Uh, hey, it's the Score North Twin Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. And Glenn told us he has some hashtag takes on something that happened on Twitter last night. We'll get to that. Welcome back to the Score North Twin Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. I am the host, Glenn Perkins. Uh, Something that's been going around a little bit on Twitter over the last week, too, maybe a little longer. Uh, batting around. What constitutes batting around? Um, and, and what uh, what is this, striking out the side? Is it is it three up, three down? Is it three strikeouts in the inning? Whatever. Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts. I think a lot of what we have done is... is is Phil asking me questions and grilling me and uh, just the hardcore <laughs> tough questions? And I want to ask you guys the hardcore tough questions. I have some takes on this, okay. and uh, I want to get your guys' opinions. And Derek brought the you know he was he was uh, said he has some thoughts on this uh, fr- from before the show and was kind of intimidated that like as a former baseball player yeah. like, that my <laughs> ideas were going to be like better. He's like I don't know if I want to do this, but um, I'm kind of just more off the cuff. So I'm feeling um, bashful. Let's start. Let's start with um, with batting around. What is batting around? If a team bats around, what what is that? In my opinion, batting around the first hitter in the order hits twice in the inning. They got back around to the top, so it's not one through nine. It's one through one. I feel like we're not going to have a lot of disagreement here because I I agree. If you bat if you bat one through nine, you your order has batted, but the around part didn't happen. 
Right? Yeah, don't you, you, you just to, bet it? You, you complete, bet it straight, right? <laughs> you bet it in a straight line. You have to close the circle by coming back to the number one hitter. You have to have ten guys bat to have it be a bat around situation. I was gonna. I'm, I agree with you guys. I was gonna oh, okay. change mine just to be a contrarian, <laughs> but I'm like, man, I can't even argue with that. Okay. But there are people who will die on that hill. <laughs> I know that, and that that's Who's like who's dying on that hill. Oh, it's fifty um, fifty, man. Oh, yeah. I feel Throw like, like I build feel, a wall. Yeah, but, it, it is. I feel like I feel like. Um, like on a scorebook, like when you're keeping score of a game, yes, that you have, like when you have to like scratch out right. the next inning and yeah. move everything over that's how one, I think like about that's it. batting, or that's yeah, yeah, you have to complete, you have to get all the way around, and you never like it. I score in pen, which is problematic, but you never like it because now for the rest of the game, it's screwed up. You're and just you're a like, really confident scorekeeper. Yeah, that's right. I've, and and I'll put in like error, and they'll announce base hit, and I'm like, no, he's wrong. <laughs> It's no, no sorry. Are you are you texting Stu Thornley and yeah. say, "Hey, man, you got that one wrong." Yeah, or uh, Greg Wong, and just like, "Hey, guys, I know that you're the one that Major League Baseball has ordained with this responsibility. I already wrote an error. See, and it's in pen. We're gonna have to figure something out." There. Derek Derek scores in pen. He doesn't have an iPhone. We're uh, learning so many things about yeah, Derek. It's bad. So striking out the side to me, I don't know if you guys, if if, if we all agree here, but if if you have you grind out an inning, and and you like the the Rich Harden inning. I like to call. Remember Rich Harden, constantly injured, but when he was healthy with the A's, uh, he might have pitched for a couple of the teams. Rich Harden would constantly have innings where he faced six or seven guys, walked the bases loaded, a run would come in, but the three outs in the inning were strikeouts. That's not striking out the side. You have to strike out all three batters for it to be striking out so, the side. So when Glenn brought this up, I thought, do I have a take on this? I. Because that's what I thought, and I didn't realize that there are people that that pushed against so hard that it has to be a pure, like, it's a pure hat trick. You scored all three goals in a row. That would be, isn't that what they call it, like a natural hat trick? Yeah, natty hat trick. And if you're in baseball, I've never heard contention for, like, does that, you know it's like you're cheapening it. It's like the Francisco Liriano no-hitter. You're like, yeah, it's, I mean, I know it's a no-hitter, but I'm not. I don't feel the same way as I do about like a Doc Halliday no hitter. But you didn't strike out. So well, let's let's back up. What's the definition of the side? So uh, this is I want before we get to there. I want to get the side is is the is the, the opposing team their their entire inning. So the, you so you, but you didn't inning. strike out the side. You struck out three all three of, outs were the you, side. So this is the, I, I'm I'm like like seventy five percent I guess because I. I and this might have only been a Twins thing, and you know I've only ever lived in Minnesota, so there was the snapper mow him down inning. Sure, do you guys? Oh, Derek, yes. Derek's got to be too young for that. Absolutely. But the snapper mow him down MSC inning. In the, in the 90s. So that was that was a three up, three down, three strikeouts, and somebody would win a a snapper lawnmower. Yeah. So it was a snapper mow him down inning. So maybe 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 that's not a national thing. Maybe other teams didn't do that. I don't know. Well, how many mowers do you want to give away so, over the course of a summer? From what <laughs> I remember, it wasn't at risk in the nineties with the Twins pitching staff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rick Reed wasn't striking out the side. <laughs> um, Not when Jim Tomey was coming up. Anyway. So, so there's that. There's a snapper mow him down inning. So that's what I always thought was interesting. Three up, three down, three strikeouts. Was a snapper mow him down inning. Striking out the side. Uh, now maybe it's just because like broadcasters wouldn't say, and he struck out the side, like you know, because you got guys on first and second. Maybe the leadoff guy hit a home run or yeah, something. It's, but it's not an accomplishment. 
It not no, but I think you still struck out the side. I do too. But you but you also gave up four doubles to the side. Yeah, yeah, that's but, fine. You know what I picture though? It's yeah, like fine. I'll, you struck out all three I, guys. I, you, you walked the side. You gave up three bombs. Well, I picture Dick Bramer like sheepishly saying like, "And here's a silver lining. They gave up four runs, but they did strike out the side." And like that's how I picture. <laughs> it's fine that it's not quite the same thing as Francisco Liriano coming up in 06 and just being like, "All right, you got no shot. It's over." Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Nine pitches, three strikeouts. I'm not saying that's not better, that, but well, I still that's, think it's that's striking the out the immac- side. That's the immaculate inning. Yeah, yeah, not nine. Yeah. There was a three pitch inning the other day. It might oh, have been got a that? pitcher. I don't. I, I saw it on on Twitter, but no, I think that I think that that it's. I want to snap her home down inning. I mean, that's what I, that's what you'd like to see. That's but better. I think striking out the side. I mean, I can see where there's debate on that one. The, the other one, uh, I mean, you got to bat ten guys, and, and it's amazing to me that that people disagree with that. I remember. The, I'm so glad you brought up the snapper home down inning in this segment. This is amazing. Um, I remember because I used to watch '90s Twins on TV. Was just an unbelievable. At any given night, you never knew who the starting pitcher was going to be. I mean, Brad Radke came along in like '95. But if you look at some of those Twins pitching staffs, they weren't giving away lawnmowers. No, that's why they did it. It was genius. They're like, these guys are striking out like, you know, <laughs> 2.7 guys per nine. Like, but the did, odds of them striking out three guys in one inning are like, <laughs> yeah. But it you, would take them 13 innings to strike out three guys, not one inning. So do you remember that they would, so MSC had, I don't know, like 100 of the 162 games, and then they would run, for sure, on a, on a Sunday afternoon, they would have them on like uh, Channel 9, or it was on regular of just antenna TV. But then they had a bunch of games. They had some non-televised games, but they had a game a week, I want to say, that was available on pay-per-view. Did you ever remember this? I don't one? remember that. No, we didn't we didn't have pay-per-view or didn't do So they'd offer Twins games in like 1995, you know, like Dave Hollins is the third baseman and Scott Stahoviak and all these random dudes. And you could pay $3 to watch a Twins game on pay-per-view. And so my dad, my parents were divorced, and so my dad would call me sometimes from his apartment. He'd be like, "Hey, you want me to order you the Twins game on pay per view tonight?" I'm like, sure. And they'd always get beat seven to four. You know, they couldn't they couldn't hold teams huh. under. But the, the, but '90s Twins, MSC, Snapper Mom down inning. We should do a list of '90s Twins things at some point. That I just yeah, I mean, I remember like the the. The cameras were so bad. The TVs were so bad. Sure. Like the and then the, the Metrodome grass. I mean, like or the, yeah. the turf was like <laughs> yeah. everything was just the wrong color. And <laughs> oh, that was. But that was it. So that yeah, that was it. That's where I Mike. If I didn't know about the snapper mode down inning, I think I would maybe say you have to strike out the side. Okay. Yeah. But that just, was a whole different thing. For right. Me. It's just a better striking out the side. Yeah. It's like a new level. Yeah. But they're both striking out the side. The uh, we the spoiler alert. We just did an episode for a podcast to be released soon on Game 163, and we sat down and kind of dissected everything. The good one. Yes, the, not the 08 Game right. 163. Game, 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 uh, Did you get a hold of Bobby Keppel or no? We're working on it. Do you have a contact? No. Our people are talking to his people at present. We would love to track down Bobby Keppel. <laughs> and the one thing that stood out the most, just kind of watching, so Denard Spann had, that dude batted 300 a couple years in the Metrodome. Just how everything went to the wall. Like if if a ball came off a bat, or I'm even if you're playing catch pregame, right? If a ball was thrown or hit and it landed on the turf, 
it rolled to the wall unless a human stopped it. Yeah. My so my when when I first got to college, they they had the turf, and then it was all four that they went to the like field grass or field turf or whatever okay. they call it. So it used yeah. to be at my the first two years in college we had practice there and it was astroturf. Oh, so that's even even more that, and that was yeah, that was unbelievable. Like you could you could literally like roll a ball from home plate and it's gonna it just keeps rolling. Yeah, and why would you ever dive? Yeah, because it's like tiny little razor blades. Oh. I mean, those balls, like our, our our baseballs, used to get like fuzzy because yeah. they'd get so chewed up. Um, and then they switched to the other stuff, which wasn't as as bouncy, but it still was. But like, so that 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 ball, I think it must have been 03 when Tori uh, Ray Durham hit it, and it it bounced over his head. Yeah, um, that was the old turf, and that so that stuff was like a springboard. I mean, it was unbelievable that the way the 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 ball would bounce in that place and. Uh, was that oh that was oh six right? Were you? No, you weren't. Oh six was. That's the year they got beat by the A's. That was against. I was there. I was that was I was there. So that was Johan in the first game. What Frank happened Thompson in that home series? Run. Did you guys like drink too much champagne going into that series or something? I, we played at like it's seven in the morning the first game. I remember I had gotten called up just before that and. They were like waiting on like they're like hey yeah we don't know you know you're definitely gonna be here like you might be an extra guy but you might also be on the roster and like they're like come back in the morning and and we'll let you know and it was like I mean no joke like we were there at like seven thirty in the morning I think we played at like eleven that game and and uh, yeah Frank Thomas took a Johan left changeup up Frank Thomas hit yeah, a home run and I still remember where that I was kind of for set the one. tone then it was boof in the second game of all those seasons I mean the, the Twins were so good in the regular season from what oh one is the breakout year that they didn't make the playoffs but yeah, 01 02 was, was the, start. the first playoff that was the first division title yeah all the way through the 2010 uh, opening of Target Field 90 plus wins whatever I think that 2006 just from a fan perspective watching on the outside MVP of the league, batting champion, Torrey Hunter, one of his best seasons, Michael Kadire breakout year. That was the Nick Punto. Johan won the Cy Young. Liriano until he blew his arm up. Might have been better than Johan for yep. like two months. Jason Joe Bartlett. Nathan. Yeah, all these late and, career years. And to get Crane, swept out, Crane Nathan. Um, Maddie G uh, was on Matt that Guerrero, team. Dennis Reyes, um, Juan Rincon was awesome that year. Is that the team of all those for a decade long? Easily the best team. Had that to be that the team should have won the World Series. Yeah, that was a yeah. I mean, with with the, they had everything. They had they had starting pitching. Um, you know, that was Johan Boof had a great year that year. Brad Radke. That was Brad Radke's last year. I mean, he was pitching with a broken shoulder, but <laughs> um, you know, that was yeah. I mean, there was just young guys, young talent. I mean, that was the the, the start of like the M and M boys, and then with with the kind of the veteran guys. Carlos Silva was on that team. Carlos Silva once had a, like a seventy five pitch complete game, I think, in that season. Yeah, Somewhere. I, I, I want to say it was like seventy two. Uh, Angels, maybe. He probably never struck out the side. No, in that game. didn't even <laughs> no. didn't even get a snap from home down inning. No. <laughs> um, yeah, the two thousand that, that two thousand six team. It felt like it felt like all right. You drew the Sort of the, this weird hodgepodge A's team that was three years past the Moneyball phase, and Frank Thomas and you, like Ray Durham was on that team. You just no, mentioned. I think Ray Durham was or was earlier on. Was that he was, okay? So that was like Eric Chavez, um, Mark Kotze, Mark Kotze, Frank Thomas. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of a random. I mean, Thomas had a good year that year, but kind of random. Um, if Frankie Liriano, since we're down this wormhole. I know they like you lose game one the way that you lost it and Johan pitches, but if if Frankie Liriano was healthy and pitching the same way that he would have been, would would that series have gone differently? Well, would, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's he's going to pitch game two. 
And so at least you have a you have a chance there. But it was just yeah, I don't know. I mean, hell, that was you have to beat one of those guys twice. Yeah, I didn't know where I I didn't even know where I was then. I mean, I <laughs> I literally spent two weeks in the big leagues and I'm like in a playoff game and there's you know sixty thousand people in the dome and oh, I had I had no idea what you, was going you, on. You pitched in that series, right? Yeah, I did. I I gave up a double to. Uh, I gave up a bloop single to Frank Thomas, and then I think I got a guy out, and then I gave up a double to Eric Chavez off the left field wall. And I think like Frank Thomas got thrown out like at third, trying to go first to third <laughs> on a you double. Pump your, pump your fist on that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh man, it's the Score North Twin Show. Glenn Perkins on baseball, and we're gonna we're gonna make you pick the Vikings schedule before the show is over. Are you ready to pick some football? I, I games? mean, I, nobody knows the Vikings better than I do. That's not they, even Matthew. Stole Collar. the words from my. <laughs> from my uh, vocabulary. Welcome back to the Score North Twins show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball and apparently Vikings football, Phil. We're going to we're going to do this. I uh I actually watched more Vikings football last year than than probably the ten previous years combined. Really? Yeah. Um, it turns out I didn't have anything to do in the fall, uh, <laughs> and that's not I mean, a stab that the Twins never making the playoffs. In that's fairness, like I didn't have anything to do. I mean, in fairness, you've never had anything to do in the fall. Really. I, yeah, I know. That's I kind <laughs> so of hot. made the joke. I dunked on myself. Savage self reverse dunk that hit my hit myself in the head. Um, the Vikings schedule came out yesterday. That's like a. That's like a. Like the NFL, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like they make they made, everything a thing. It, it, like they. I mean, do, do they devote like the entire day to like coverage of like? Oh, they put the forty-eight hour tease out. Yeah. That hey, little press release. Everyone in forty-eight hours, we're gonna give you the schedule. So, so you already that, mostly know all the teams that you're gonna be playing. At that though, it, like, don't you already kind of know because like where you finish in the division and then what time? Like, you know, like okay, this year you're gonna play the AFC West. You and can do so some sleuthing. Yeah, and they give you the teams. I feel like there's, I feel like there's people that have like not maybe maybe picked it, but like. I know. Doesn't Reavers do that? Reavers does it doesn't every he year. Do it yeah. like last year he was 15 out of 16. Yeah, Judd and Reavers both did mock schedules this week. Judd just scribbled. He's at Bunnies and he just like. <laughs> no, you know what? He down was doing teams. the show. <laughs> we were doing the Twins show on Tuesday and I was going back and I was reading Judd's mock schedule. Here's what the Vikings, here's some predictions for the year. And the timestamp for when he posted it was right dead in the middle of our twins show. So I don't know. That's the well, day we did, interviewed you. He did it the night before and then and then that day he just sent it. Oh, I had to format yeah. it. Yeah. No, I don't know. I gotta go to Bunnies. I gotta do the twins I gotta do the Vikings schedule. <laughs> so with that Glenn Perkins. And I'm gonna make Derek do this too. Oh good. You're gonna pick game by game the Minnesota Vikings win loss record. Starting with week one home game against Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons. They went down and beat them down there last year. I remember that. So they're gonna they're gonna win that game. Okay. They're pretty good on like don't they start like four and every year? The Vikings? Yeah. They, I feel they, like they're always like really good at the beginning of the year and then it's like the middle is like gets a little wishy washy and then that's pretty much the story of the, like sixty years of Vikings football too, yeah. right? Just kind of sometimes the ends wishy washy. It's <laughs> like they're really good, then they're okay, then they finish strong, and then the playoffs are like a high wire act. So yep. that, that um, ends poorly. Finish strong or start strong. I mean, they they and hell, they started off against the Saints last year and smoked them too. So I like I like the uh, I like the Vikings. Okay, Derek, yeah, this is a good team. I think they're going to win a lot of games this year. This is an easy one for me. Home okay. game to open the season. Vikings win week two at Green Bay. 
trying to do my chili voice. Uh, uh, I, I got uh, so I, <laughs> uh, so that is uh, that's going to be the Packers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Derek? I think I, I think that's right. I I was tempted to say catch them early is a good thing before they get this whole new system, but I think that's that's going to be a good team. People are sleeping on the Packers this year. In fact, I'm a. I think the Vikings are going to be a good team, and I'm a little worried about the whole season because the Bears are going to be good and the Packers are going to be good. So this, I love the analysis from you guys. This yeah. is great oh, yeah. in depth football. Analysis. I feel like I, I was trying I to remember what feel conference like, they were in. I kind of feel like the, the the people that talk about the NCAA basketball tournament, like leading up to it, where they're like they think they know every team. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right. yeah, Winthrop right. is. You know, they they were solid this year in the South Boy, Central Eastern get a Conference. More bench scoring. They're yeah. going to be a solid tournament team. I mean. I, you know more what's, than me. What's next? I don't. All right, all right, all right. Oakland. <laughs> sorry, Oakland week three oh. at home. <laughs> at home against Oakland week. They three. stink, right? I mean, they? They've, been, they've been pretty Tell bad. John, John Gruden is trying to turn things around, right? John Gruden, John Gruden is trying took, to turn things around. Yeah, right? I mean, we're we're trying to turn things around in Oakland. It's going to be a good football team this year. I just get excited every time I start talking about football at this time of year. It's almost time. The schedule is here. He does. Gruden does like to hit those cotton consonants hard, right? Yeah. Time and football. Okay. Uh, they stink. The Vikings are going. Where is that one? That's a home game at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. So, because the Raiders don't even have a home, do they? Yeah, they're waiting for for Las Vegas in a yeah. year, right? So, I'm going to put you guys both down for a win there. Yeah, two to one. Okay, two and one. Didn't they just go get uh, one of those good skill position players this uh, this offseason? They did get Antonio Brown. I don't think that one guy's enough to win it, but uh, week four at Chicago. Gosh, that, see, I hate this too because I hate like I I like Aaron Rodgers and I like watching him play. I like when you know he's just he's intriguing to me. I don't I don't I want him to beat the Bears. I think this goes back to like my animosity as a player against the White Sox yeah. and, and the battles we had. That I just it's my favorite city in America, but uh, outside of Minnesota, <clears throat> um, but uh, <laughs> in the other forty nine states, <laughs> but uh, I I don't like the Bears. But the, the Vikings never do well in, at Soldier Field. The good thing is, is that that field won't be completely shredded like it is like in November and December. Yeah, it's, so. a good, it's a good time to get the soldiers. Yeah, you want? I mean, you know, so everybody's gonna be healthy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Vikings in that game. Okay. This is a loss for me for the Vikings because I saw a terrible Bears team beat the Vikings. Uh, was that Halloween night? Was this Norv Turner's last game? Maybe. And uh, this Bears team is great. Okay. I think. Okay. I, I, I see too many people talking about the Bears are going to take a step back. Why? They're I'm, good. I'm going to give you guys, for time purposes, I'm going to give you guys three game chunks through the middle here. It's because he doesn't like our analysis anymore. Yeah. I, I really I love mean, the just analysis. Fire, just fire him off. I don't need to give in. I'm just making stuff up All on right. the fly here. All right, give me some <laughs> wins and losses at at the Giants. Week uh, six. Week That's five. a win. Win. Okay. Home against Philadelphia. That's also a win. Carson Wentz is still going to be healthy at that point, though, so... That's a win. Okay. That's a win. At Detroit week 7. That's a ooh, they never do well there either though. I'm going to that's they're going to lose that game. Wow. Give me a win. Wow. So negative over there. Uh, home against Washington, the Case Keenum revenge Don't game. They, stay, they split every year with the Lions. They beat, probably swept them last year, didn't they? The Lions have definitely beat the Vikings in situations that they shouldn't the yeah. last few years. Uh, yeah. Are they at Washington? Home against Washington. That's a win. On a win. Thursday night. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, No Case. revenge game for Case Keenum. Okay, at Kansas City in Week 9 against Pat Mahomes. They're going to lose that game. That's a difficult football contest. Uh, at Dallas <laughs> on Sunday night in Week 10. Uh, Kirk Cousins in primetime loss. 
Oh, that's a great there's, call. There's five. By the way, there's that's five sneaky. primetime games for Kirk Cousins. So that's a sneaky great call. Uh, just to be different, though, I'm going to take the win. I Let's think Glenn's right on that. <laughs> <laughs> Home against Joe Flacco and the Denver Broncos in Week 11. They win that game. Yeah, that's a win. That's a that's a pretty easy win, I think. By week, and then Let mark that mark write that down, Phil. That's a pretty easy win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the soundbite for later. Should be. Why is there bye so late? Uh, well, there's bye weeks from week four to week thirteen, right? Oh, so mean, they got one so of them. Just like they got a bye week, I guess. Uh, week thirteen at Seattle on a Monday night. They got to lose that game. Yeah, I'm going with the Kirk Cousins primetime. The primetime thing is real. That's also yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. But it's in in, in Seattle. Uh, home against Detroit, week fourteen. They win that one because they lost the other one. Yeah, I I think they sweep the Detroit series, and I gave them a win before. I'll give them this one, too. And then we have back-to-back primetime games at the Chargers and then home against Green Bay, weeks 15 and 16. Chargers lose. Uh, uh, so the Vikings lose to the Chargers and beat the Packers at home. Okay. I'm going win-win to get... What did, what, did, what did I end up at? About 9-7 and seven or 10-6? and six? We have one more game, and then oh. I'll tell you. Home against Chicago. <laughs> That's close enough. Home against Chicago. They win that one. Yeah, win at home. Wow, you guys have the identical same record. Really? What would just what, different what, ways what to you, get there? What do you think the record is that you guys ten and six? I think I just gave them ten and six. You you both gave them eleven and five. Hey, no that's, kidding. That's, that's good right. enough for the playoffs. I feel like I was a little pessimistic too. Well, maybe it's thirteen and three, and you're I could being, being you're being uh, realistic. I could go back and and carve a path to sixteen wins with that schedule. I could talk <laughs> myself into it. If you want to give me another crack at this thing? Six, sixteen wins, and then a, and then a, a buy, and then a, and then a second round exit. Oh man! Wow, they don't lose at home at US Bank Stadium in the playoffs, but yeah, the the primetime thing. It, it's so Kirk Cousins in primetime and Kirk Cousins against actual good teams. I feel like after about four years. Those aren't really flukes anymore in the NFL, so you just got to work on that. I this is my f- most football-y take. Every time I hear like the public narrative start to drastically shift, I do what I do in baseball, and I just try to either stay at my opinion or lean a little bit the other way, and it does okay for me. I'm not going to make any money betting on football, but I hear people saying that the Bears are going to take a step back and be bad, that the Packers are going to take a step forward under this new guy and be awesome because it's Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour, and then that the Vikings are kind of just like middling. I don't agree with any of that. I think it's a really strong Vikings roster. They probably just bet on the wrong quarterback. Glenn, have you been to U.S. Bank Stadium? No, I haven't. I've only been there one time because... For Vikings games, I host Vikings Ventline. So I was there for like the grand opening sort of tour thing. And I haven't been to a concert there yet. So I've literally only been inside U.S. Bank Stadium. I haven't. I've driven around it, seen it, but uh, have not been in. So, uh, yeah. I, I got one for you guys. I've played football at U.S. Bank Stadium. Wow. So I'm kind of top banana here. No big deal. I'd rather see Derek Wetmore play football than, than see U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it was flag football. I should clarify. It was a charity event. Can we, can we, how can we get Derek Wetmore in full football pads and just like have him walk around the office? I was going to wear my uniform in today, but then we've had a possum out in the shed, and I didn't want to go out there to find it this morning because that thing scares the crap out of me. So I was going to come in in full uni today. But uh, All right, Next so week. that. That that uh, has that was uh, Glenn Perkins on baseball on Vikings football, um, so hopefully uh, that you got to have that be the last segment so people don't tune out right. Nobody wants to hear me talk about the Vikings. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. If you approve of the Score North Twins show, we'd love for you to do us a favor: give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple or Spotify. It helps spread the word to new listeners. 
Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore. I'm Glenn Perkins, and uh, we'll see you next time.